going on world welcome to the double up podcast i'm your host double up and we're here to connect perspectives today we got another special guest in the building miss arizona pageant queen marketing expertise guru miss amy parker and we're gonna tap in on a lot man we're gonna discuss her journey um the evolution of being secure in her womanhood and also how she's been able to help young ladies and provide inspiration but also help other business owners and people in her community that want to grow their business through marketing and promotion so a lot of good gems coming this episode let's tap in Appreciate you making time for this. I know you're busy. You got a lot of things going on. Not a problem. Thanks for thinking of me. Yeah, for sure. Like, my lady told me, she was like, you got to have more women on your podcast. Every time I get on your podcast, I just hear a man's perspective. And I was like, that is Uh, so true. I couldn't even argue. Like, 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 (laughs) I can't even argue. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, you, you know, like. When when you with a black woman, it's it's best to listen more than you talk back. Mhm. I be trying to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> trying real. to tell them. So, uh, I want to really just jump right into it. Um, I know that you out here doing a lot in AZ, um, even staying busy during this time when most people are just sitting in the house, not knowing what to do with themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. you're managing to still find ways to add value, to be a service to people. Um, what what would you say really gives you the best mindset when you get up to approach your day with all of the things that's going on in the world right now that makes you want to stay consistent in that way? I think the number one thing for me is right now, I'm seeing a lot of black people, black businesses in particular, um, have their businesses closed down, they're losing their jobs and things like that. But most of the people that I feel like who are losing their jobs, they're people who have an entrepreneur bone inside of them or they want to be entrepreneurs. Or I've seen them post about being an entrepreneur in the past, but maybe they're scared. They don't have the necessary tools or resources. And for me, being in the field that I'm in, which is marketing, um, you know, I work in marketing, that's just like the driving force for me to help my people. So for me, I'm like, okay, this is a perfect opportunity for me to take my skill set and what I know, what I went to school for, 
uh, all the experience that I had and pour it back into my community. And I've been doing that and I've been doing it virtually um, doing like Zoom meetings, kind of what we're doing um, and just giving them all the resources, the tools. I'm in here doing tutorials. We're like on two hour tutorials showing you how to set up your business and things like that. And so for me, I didn't look at the pandemic as something that's like, oh man, you know, we got to sit in the house, blah, 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 blah. I saw an opportunity and I jumped on it and the opportunity happened to be to help my people. So that's really what motivates me every day to keep going and helping my community. No doubt. And I think when you attach that purpose to what you're doing, it is a lot more motivating and give you some energy because it gets draining trying to give to everybody and trying to be that it does. that person that, that gives them that guidance. And so uh, we got to find ways to recharge ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. Just to, turn to t- tell the audience a, a bit about you, who Amy is, um, how you got to this point in Phoenix. Um, what was your journey like when you first got out here and, and figuring out um, what specifically you want to do in Phoenix? Yeah, so um, I came here around the um, college age. So I came and I went to Arizona State University um, where I majored in marketing. Also, um, I got two degrees in marketing, one in marketing, one in strategic communications from Arizona State University. Um, and to be honest, when I first um, went into college, that's right when I first moved here, I went to college. I really wanted to go into uh, journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go into journalism. I wanted to be like a news anchor or a sports anchor. Um, but as I like kind of dived into the major, I'm like, this isn't really for me. Um, and I had to take a step back and be like, okay, um, what is it that I have a passion for? Like what drives me? And so my parents, I call them serial entrepreneurs because they're like, people who just open up businesses after business after business um but one thing i noticed about them is that when they were opening up businesses none of them would actually like take off Mm -hmm. they would always like start a new business and then it would never be any momentum and so when i was like 18 19 i'm like all right i'm gonna change my major to marketing um because what i saw is it wasn't that they weren't smart enough they didn't have the skills or they didn't have the talents it's just that they didn't have the tools and the resources to get their product or their service out there in front of the masses And so then I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to switch to marketing so I can help my parents. Initially, I wanted to learn so I can help my parents. But then, you know, obviously, as I went throughout school, I graduated and I got to the industry. I was like, okay, I want to help people like my parents as well. Um, So, yeah, I came around here around college age. And that's how I got into marketing uh, throughout college. And that's what got me started. But as soon as I graduated... I dived right into marketing. I've never worked in any other industry, which I always say I'm blessed. Like I'm one of those people who graduated from college and got straight to my major. Right. Um, so definitely a blessing in that. But I've never worked in any other industry. I started off in traditional marketing. And as we know, traditional marketing is like, you know, newspapers and magazines and yeah. TV commercials, things like that. Mm-hmm. But as a millennial, I'm like the youngest one working in the first agency that I worked at. I'm like, this, we can't, this ain't going to sustain the businesses. This ain't going to work. Yeah, <laughs> so, right you know, putting people in like articles and magazines, newspaper, I'm like, people don't even read the newspaper anymore. Um, so I just went to my boss and I was like, Hey, like, obviously like, um, I'm a millennial. I love social media. I think this is where we need to go as far as helping our clients. Cause at that time, a lot of our clients were complaining, like this isn't working, the, your marketing isn't working, and this is a well-known agency, I ain't gonna say their name, right. but my, my manager let me take the, the rooms on going ahead and starting a digital marketing 
sector of the agency. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote out the digital marketing sector of our agency, um, really just focuses on social media, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, YouTube ads, all those things, search engine optimization, anything that's digital based, creating video content and pushing it out there yeah. to a target demographic. I just started that whole department, basically a whole department at my agency, my old agency. And then ever since then, I've just been in digital marketing. So I've um, worked for about three different agencies and then I've branched out and created my own um, boutique agency that focuses only on minority businesses. Gotcha. So when you were working with your company, were they even in the social media realm at all? No, they weren't. They weren't doing social media at all. In fact, I think everyone that worked there besides our secretary was like 45 and up. So they weren't really even um, savvy to social media or savvy to uh, a lot of technology. So, like I said, I was the youngest one and I saw that opportunity. Um, and luckily I had a boss who like believed in me and he trusted in the vision. He allowed me to build out that department and, um, we just kind of took off from there. I grew as a marketer and I moved on to other positions, um, that I felt like would be better opportunities for me, but that's definitely where I got my start with him giving me that opportunity to branch out. Was, was that a black man or a white man? He actually was white. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, was that something that you saw as really profound or did you expect that did you expect to be um elevated where you are to given that type of responsibility i definitely didn't to be honest i thought like okay i'm gonna go in here and i'm gonna say my piece and what i think and give him my opinion and he's probably going to um brush it off um not only because of me being a black woman but because i was so young at the time i had just graduated college i was fresh out of college and so i felt like he was going to think that i didn't even have enough experience in working um let alone starting a whole separate um department um so it definitely was profound for me um that he actually believed in me mm -hmm. and was like, all right, you know what, I'm going to give you a chance. But I also, when talking to him and after working with him for so many years, one thing that I realized about him is that he always craved innovation. Mm -hmm. um, he just wasn't an innovator himself. Gotcha. So he always, he wanted someone to come in and be innovative and change things, but that just wasn't his calling. So mm -hmm. him delegating that to me was, I feel like, kind of like a godsend. He's like, yeah, this is what I need perfect timing and, and that's sometimes what you need to really show off your value is somebody mm -hmm. who doesn't feel like they necessarily know it all to believe that you can add what they hired you to add and mm -hmm. um, a lot of times we feel marginalized in our place of work what was it what, what made you want to leave then if you felt like you were being empowered or you were given some opportunity yeah, so I think the, the main factor for me leaving is the uh, industry uh, that we were in. So I worked in, yeah, I was working in digital marketing, but we only worked with uh, marketing for financial industry. So we're working with Chase Banks and um, Bank of Americas and things like that, all these different financial sectors. But I wasn't really interested in just the financial industry. Right. Um, and so while I grew a lot there and I learned a lot, I knew that I needed to branch out to tap into different industries because I knew that the people that I eventually wanted to help after I got enough experience under my belt, they more than likely aren't going to be working in the financial industry. Got you. And that's, that's an interesting and I think important point to make is that 
sometimes even when you're doing what you like to do, if you're not doing it in the way that you envision your life panning out, you're only going to be there for so long. And so I think we just dropped out. We're going to wait for the visual to come back. Okay, we all good now. Um, but I think it's important for us to get those skills from our jobs and know that I it was some things that I needed to know before I jumped out on my own. And a lot of us want to jump out on our own quick and we downplay some of the benefits of going the corporate route and learning that industry. So what would you say to somebody who was just completely against that, completely against um, working for any type of the corporate structure? Um, I would definitely recommend it. Um, I mean, if you feel like you can do it without it, then I think hats off to you. But I would definitely recommend it because not only does working um, under someone teaches you the skill set that you need to know, whatever it is, whether you want to learn a skill set of marketing or advertising or, you know, being a financial advisor, not only do you learn that skill set, but you learn a lot about business as well. Um, And I feel like I learned a lot of business from a lot of uh my higher ups working alongside them i've always made myself available to my higher ups uh, not only because i want to learn um uh, and be better at my job but because i want to know what you knew yes, uh exactly. so i would always say definitely go for it so i mean in the back of your head you know that you want to start your own business they already have a not nine times out of ten they already have a successful business that you're working for learn everything that you can from them as far as running a six-figure seven-figure eight-figure business and then take what you learn there and apply it to your own business um but you learn so much um organization skills um learning how to do time management all those things that I feel like you wouldn't naturally do if you just started working for yourself. When you're in a corporate environment, it's kind of like you have to have time management. You have to be organized. You have to do all these other things that you wouldn't do if you were just at home doing your own thing. And so that helped me out a lot when I transitioned into creating my own space. Now, was it worth the anxiety or worth the stress of working in that structure? I, yeah, for me it was. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like some people might say it's not, depending on whether they like their job or not. But that's the thing. It's if you do, if you like your job. So I'm not one of those people who are going to stay in a job. Um, if I feel like it's stressing me out, it's giving me anxiety and things like that. I was, I was known for being like the peace girl. Like if I feel like this job is stressing me out and causing me peace of mind, I'm going to go on to the next one. Uh-huh. Um because it just doesn't serve me to be so stressed out over a company that I'm helping um, maintain wealth, you know. So, um, but for me, um, the just natural stress that comes with having a corporate job, to me, that was much well worth it because I learned so much and um, I've always worked in positions where I've actually enjoyed my job. I enjoyed waking up and going to work. And if I didn't, then I was out to the next job, so. I think that's that's how it's supposed to be. Some of us feel like there's there's some type of loyalty that we should have to these jobs. And in reality, there's no loyalty that they have to us. And I I learned it really from sports. It's like, um, you can get cut, bro. Like, don't think that this going to stop without you. Like, anybody that's in professional sports, like the NBA kept going after Michael Jordan. It's going to keep going after LeBron leaves. And... Uh, same thing applies when it comes to these jobs. And so we, we can't really define ourselves or really think that that position is what makes us valuable. It's what 
talents and what skills we've developed on our own and what the jobs they don't recognize how they gonna profit they gonna get their return mm-hmm. off of whatever little salary they giving us and so yeah that's all in the business model If it just doesn't serve you anymore, that's what I always say. If you feel like your job doesn't serve you anymore, then you just need to go on to the next one. Yeah. When when you were younger, was was this something that you envisioned yourself as a, a, a corporate woman, somebody that was running her own businesses, CEO? I did. I say that when I was younger, I definitely saw myself uh, as being in the corporate space. Um, even being an entrepreneur, but I also was um, into performing arts a lot, and so there was a time in my life where I thought that I would um, be in the space of performing arts, whether that's dancing or singing or what have you, Um, because growing up, that's just something that I was into. Uh, My parents, they poured into me whatever I needed um, to continue with my performing arts, they did, and so for a short time, I thought I was going to go to like Juilliard or something like that, and like play the piano and sing or do ballet. Um, but I think as I became a little bit older, maybe like around 15, 16, that kind of vision for me changed. Now I want to hold you on that. Was that by choice? Was that you felt pressure to do something that was going to make more money? Like what? What was that about? Because sound like you love what you're talking about. You used to do. Like your face lit up when you were talking about that. I would definitely say by choice. Um, I think I just got older and I realized when I got older that it's more of a hobby. Mm-hmm. So when I was younger, you know, because you're younger, you think, oh, I'm going to be a ballerina or I'm going to be a singer. Mm-hmm. But then when I got to my teen years, I, I started to realize for myself, okay, it's not really what I want to do as a, a career. It's just more of a hobby. So. Mm-hmm. And I could tell that you're, you're passionate about marketing and and what you do in that space. What would you say to somebody that's trying to recognize the difference between their hobbies and their passions? I would say one thing that you can really do, one thing I like doing, I like writing down stuff. And so I would write down the pros and the cons of whatever the two things are. So for instance, for me, performing arts and then going into like the marketing space, what was the pros and the cons of both of them? And when I'm writing down the pros and cons, I like start to realize like, okay, when I'm over here writing the performing arts pros and cons, when I'm talking about those pros, like I'm not as happy in my heart as I am when I'm writing on the marketing side. So I'm writing the marketing side and I'm like geeked up and I'm thinking about ideas that I can do to help people mm-hmm. and things like this. Um, I'm going to do this for my business. I'll do that for my business. This is what I'm going to do to help people. All these ideas are just coming in. I feel like there's a lot more passion there. But when I go to the performing arts side, like that same, pa- I don't have that, st- that same burning passion. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like you'll know. So if you just get a piece of paper and write it down, um, you'll start smiling as you're writing for the one that you really have passion for. Like you'll you'll be smiling literally while you're writing. And the other side, you'll realize that there's a difference in your demeanor when you're writing out the pros and cons. So I would say definitely start there, um, and then also ask yourself, okay, whatever field I'm going into or whichever path I'm going to follow, what is the reason for me following this? Like, what's the bigger purpose? Um, like it's a bigger purpose to help people like me for me it's just to help minority businesses 
there was really no bigger purpose for me for dancing and singing. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, I, this is just what you do, I guess. Like, if you're good at it, then you do it. But there's no bigger purpose for it. It's never, it's not like I was like, oh, I want to dance and sing to make people happy. Because it really wasn't that. It's just right, I just right. knew how to dance and sing. Okay. And, and that's, man, that's an important point. Because when we have those things that we enjoy doing, and sometimes when we don't get to do that anymore we feel like we need to force it in a way that it, it becomes more of the the passion is improving people wrong as opposed to yep. having a purpose and actually doing what you say you want to do and another key point you made is that helping people when you're doing something that's not about yourself you find a lot more passion in that like I love playing football it was something that I, I would do from sun up to sundown. Like I did it from when I was like six years old all the way till I was 25. So like, that's something I know I had deeply ingrained in my heart. But now that I'm training and I'm coaching and I'm mentoring young athletes, it's like, damn, I, I could do this for much longer than I could actually play sports. So can I really be upset or really feel uh, any sense of bitterness towards not being able to just play the game anymore. I think that's a, a important point to, to understand. It's, it's not always about you. It's not always nope. about what we want to do. And when we understand the next people that we helping, it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn us up even more to keep going with that. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I always ask people, well, why do you want to do this? Well, why do you want to be a doctor? Why do you want to be a teacher? And I feel like if you can't answer my question, you're just like, oh, no, I just always wanted to, then that's not really your passion. Yeah, 100%. And so when you were younger, I know you talked about dancing and playing the piano. Were you interested in beauty pageants at the time? Because I know that's something that you went on to do, and um, I want you to talk through that journey a little bit. Yeah, so um, I'm originally from Louisiana, so um, a lot of people know, like, pageants are big in the South. Maybe some people don't know, but uh, pageants are huge in the South. Right up. Um, okay, okay. Let me know. I ain't know. I'm one of the people that don't know. I don't know about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're from the South, like, pageants for girls are huge. Um, and then, I think it was around the age of, like, maybe, like, six or seven, um, they, they used to send, like, little... Uh, invitations in the mail for like the local pageants and like all the girls would like all go crazy to get in and I remember I got a letter and I told my mom like mom I want to do this and she said okay and then she signed me up and I can't think of why we didn't do the pageant but I remember I was so upset because she signed me up but we didn't do the pageant um and so next year came around and then she signed me up and so I had to be about eight or eight or nine at that time and she signed me up, and it literally, from that age until to this day, I've been competing ever since. Um, not only because it's just a it's a fun it's a fun hobby. Like I really genuinely enjoy doing it. Um, I'm probably going to do it until I age out. But also because it taught me so much that has helped me in my life and my career. I think when people think of pageants, they think of like, you know, girls on the stage in a bikini or, or like a gown and parading across the stage. But man, it's so much more than that. I have gained so many life skills, uh, communication skills. I've gained um, some of my best friendships. My best friends are from pageants. And so 
it's not just what you see on TV. So for instance, um, behind the scenes, they require you to do so much. They require you to volunteer um, and help other people. You have to put in a certain amount of volunteer hours to even compete. Um, if you don't put in your volunteer hours, then you can't compete. And so then you going in and you're volunteering at the homeless shelter and, and the food bank, building character, getting to know people um, and things like that. That helps you as a person build character and also be thankful for what you have. Um, and then there's intensive communication skills training. So you need to know how to walk into a room and have an interview um, and say your piece and be articulate and confident in what you're saying. And if you're doing that from age nine all the way up until you're 2021, 20, by the time you walk into the door for your first interview, and you're killing it, you're knocking it out the park. Um, so they just teach you so much that you can use um, in your life as an adult. A teenager and as an adult and so that's really what stood out to me uh, besides the friendships because I genuinely have I think like pretty much except for like maybe two or three all of my friends are from pageants so yeah, I got a whole squad then the whole squad <laughs> so when did you start competing out here in AZ so I started competing as soon as I got here so when you touch down say, like, I'm here I'm yeah here. <laughs> so when I touched down I started competing so around that um, early college age, I started competing out here, and um, I've been competing ever since. And I think the first one that I did here, I've done so many now in Arizona, but I think the first one I did was National American Miss, um, and I got second runner-up. So, so the first time in Arizona competing, I got second runner-up, which was interesting because most every my friends at that time and then also my parents were like, I don't know, like you did good in Louisiana, but we don't know how it's going to go in Arizona um, because the standard for beauty is a little bit different here than it is back and home. What, what do you South. mean by that? So all of the girls um, who had held titles before were always um, Caucasian girls, blonde hair, blue eyes. They, threw, they might have thrown a couple of brunettes in there, but all in all, they're all Caucasian girls. And I think that there's only been one, uh, I think prior to me, there was only one black uh, Miss Arizona for any pageant, like Miss Arizona Earth, Miss Arizona USA, everything. And um, that was like in the 1970s. So it was just that one from the 1970s. Um, and so competing here is really different from competing back home in the south because when I compete back home there's other girls that look like me but when I compete here I'm usually one the only one in my category maybe there's one other girl um that's black in my category but it's very rare so um I think I felt like they were used to um a certain look when it comes to Miss Arizona and because I was a black girl I wasn't I didn't fit that certain look so me walking on stage was like oh um, and then I have another friend, her name's Angelique, who competed, and she's black as well. Um, I feel like for both of us, we were, had that experience. Yeah, so uh, you even told me the good and, and all of the work that y'all do in the community. What What's some of the things you want to see change in the pageant experience and process, or just some things that you know brought you a lot of anxiety having to deal with things like being one of the only black girls or black women and, and having to um, kind of pave that way, but also stay poised in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think nationally, um, we have made great strides. Obviously, we've had a Black Miss USA now. 
kind of black uh, Miss Earth, uh, black Miss America, black Team Miss Black everything. <laughs> so um, I think nationally we're making really good strides, but I think uh, when it comes to states um, like Arizona, where uh, the majority is not black, um, and even it's weird because obviously there's a strong Hispanic um, community in Arizona, um, a lot of Mexican Americans here. And even with them being here, they still don't even crown them as much. Mm. Uh, maybe just as, you know, it's just like blacks, they don't crown, crown Mexicans, they don't crown Asians, mm -hmm. they don't crown black girls. And so one thing that I would really like to see is definitely some more diversity in, in who they're crowning here in Arizona. Mm -hmm. But I think that starts on a local level um, because you have to compete locally before you can even go and compete for a state. Um, and so I think it's going to be important for like the local directors because each uh, city has like a local director for them to be adamant and intentional about going out and recruiting uh, black girls and Hispanic girls and Asian girls to compete at a local level and then sending them to, to compete for the state level. Um, and I think one thing that they can do is definitely when they are out promoting and marketing, hey, we're going to have this pageant, um, all of the content that they use are always of white girls mm. you know what I mean mm -hmm. so if you're putting a promotion out there for a pageant and then everything on your promotion is just a white girl with blonde hair and blue eyes yeah. then a black girl's gonna be like oh well this that pageant isn't for, isn't me. for me that's not for me yeah. Yeah. yeah gotcha yeah and most local directors they all do that there's a few who have gotten better but they all promote uh, their white pageant holders even if they've had a black pageant holder or a Mexican pageant holder in the past mm -hmm. they'll promote their white win so that they can recruit more girls yeah yeah that sounds and, very intentional yeah 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 so i would like to see um local directors be more intentional about using uh women of color um in their recruitment process so that women of color feel comfortable even going to the audition or trying out mm -hmm. and so as as a woman of, of color that's trying to to advocate and uh, do what you got to do to take care of yourself because it ain't no way we can out be out here advocating for other people if we not feel if our spirit isn't right if our soul ain't right if if we don't have that energy to to move and groove through the day like we need to what what are you doing personally or what do you feel like you could do better when it comes to to health and wellness and and just taking care of yourself on a daily basis Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I can do a lot. I tell you, so <laughs> I, it's really, I, I, so my boyfriend is a personal trainer. Uh -huh. He's into health and fitness and all of that. And I, and it's kind of a struggle, um, dating someone, um, who is so serious about health and wellness. Um, cause you always feel like they're always like on you about, you know, what it is that you do and what you eat. Um, but I know for me, I definitely can pay more attention to detoxing, uh, detoxifying my body. And I think that um, that's one of the reasons why in the past I've had uh, the health issues that I have had, um, because I never took the time to just detoxify my body and take care of my body in a way that I should. For me, it was always a quick process, like, oh, I have a pageant coming up, let me just do a quick little fad diet and just drop these 10, 20 pounds. Then I'll drop the 10, 20 pounds, and I get to where I need to be. Pageant's over. I put the 10, 20 pounds back on. I'm just still, you know, um, it's not consistent. Okay. And so um, for me, that caused me a lot of health issues, um, immune disorders, so I, uh, having, like, celiac disease and things like that, 
horrible digestive system. And so for me, it's important for, uh, for me to start detoxifying my body and taking care of my body and being consistent in the things that I do um, so that I can have that long-term health. I feel like I am a person, or I was a person, which I'm definitely getting better, where I would do something for maybe two or three weeks, mm-hmm. and then I'll just quit. I'll just cold quit. And I couldn't even figure out why I would quit because I feel like I would be getting results and then I feel like I would just get comfortable and I would just quit. Um, so I definitely can do better in being consistent in my health and wellness and taking it seriously. Um, and also going towards more of a, a plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. I've tried it so many times. Like, oh my God, when I tell you. <laughs> I've tried it so many times. Yeah, and just ease into it. Just ease. Just keep it going. I know. I always try. I just always revert back. What's what's your, what's um, your one thing that that that's holding you back? Uh, seafood. Seafood. To be honest, because mm-hmm. I'm from Louisiana try and that. that's all I eat. So seafood, and then also I think um, the support system. Not saying that I don't have supportive people in my circle because mm-hmm. I do, but I think when you think of support from that stance of like health and wellness, like yeah. your friends be like, oh, they don't think of it as that big of a deal. So if I need your support in my career or personal decisions, like, oh, we're here for you. Like, I got you. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to support around food, it's different. No yeah. one takes it seriously. Why, why do you think that is, especially in our in our community, that it's, it's kind of an afterthought instead of it being more of an, a priority? Um, I'm not sure why that is because in our community, it's, community especially i feel like we have um for instance black women are number one um in the country for heart disease and then you know they're number one uh for dying at birth we have all these health issues where we're number one all the time and we're dying from it all the time um but for some reason we just don't take it seriously and i don't know if it's because we have been uh, sort of brainwashed that this is just the way that we eat as a race or as a culture. Mm-hmm. And girl, you know, um, Uncle Robert, he lived to 100 and he was eating pig feet every day. So just mm-hmm. live your life. And life is too short. Um, and I think kind of hearing that as a as a African-American, especially even as a Hispanic, in the Hispanic community too, hearing that a lot, I think you just kind of like, girl, you'll be all right. Go just eat this fish chicken, you're fine. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I kind of find in my circle. When I try to start the vegan journey, I'll be doing good, and then we'll go out to eat or something, and then like a friend will be like, "Go just eat this, just eat that, like it, it's not gonna kill you." And then I'll eat it, and then I'll feel bad, and I'll just revert back to whatever mm-hmm. I was doing. And I I think it's a real journey that we got to stay compassionate to ourselves with, and, and not beat yourself up about your own journey. Uh, for me and, and my lady, when we go out. We will eat some things that's not a part of our alkaline lifestyle, but we mm-hmm. also understand, all right, what's our tangible goal right now? If you're getting ready for a pageant, you know, all right, I got to be super disciplined over the next few weeks or a month or however long if I want to hit my goal. So I can't be having all these cheat days. I can't be having mm-hmm. these days where I just uh, don't work out. I don't eat right. Just because the last three days I ate right and I exercised, it don't work like that. But if your goal is to get to a healthy lifestyle and you're looking at the next 10, 20 years of your life, you can go from having uh, five, six meals a week where you was eating meat all the time 
to having three meals a week where you eat meat and not feel like, damn, I need to get pressured into being a vegan. I need to get pressured into being alkaline. Nah, go through that step, go through that phase, and that's cool. And then cut that down to maybe one or two. And whatever that pace is for you, be good with that. <laughs> and don't feel like, man, I know I should have been doing Nah, you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to do. Enjoy the food like your friends say. But no, if you got a quick goal, nah, I can't be cheating right now. And I ain't gonna, I have some bacon every now and then. I have some chicken every now and then. But I know what I bring into my house, like when we go grocery shopping, we don't buy none of that. Um, when we cook mm. at home, we don't make none of that at home. And so that really okay. cuts down on pretty much at least 70% of the food that we're going to eat throughout the week. And so that's okay. a good first step to take is what you bring into your house. If you go out to eat, enjoy it, but be aware. Know it's going to probably have an effect on what my goals are and what I'm trying to do um, mentally as well. Because our food affects our emotions and um, just how we react to situations. We, we, we get irritable a lot more for mm-hmm. certain foods and we'll understand that too. And once we tie all of that together and, and see what's the purpose of me keeping this healthy lifestyle and I I could be like Uncle Robert and, and live to be a hundred, but Uncle Robert might have been agitated when he was a hundred or he might have barely been able to walk around when he was a hundred. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to be, be the same will that's coherent that can have conversations that can move i could probably still shoot a jump if i need to like however we doing it but once we get that purpose with it i think it's it's a lot better journey one journey i'm trying to figure out that you touched on that i would i would much much appreciate some enlightenment on is that's a boyfriend who is about health and wellness and knowing my lady is on her journey as well like what what do you feel like your man could do better or we could do as men to to make you all feel more comfortable with that transition in your journey um yeah so i would definitely say um so for me one thing that really helps out is like words of encouragement and words of affirmation and i feel like that's like a woman thing like women like to hear the words um, of encouragement and affirmation from their spouse um, and I feel like that motivates them to keep going so like I'll tell my boyfriend like okay if you see that I am doing like a six week vegan challenge or um, I'm doing six weeks with no dairy or what have you I'm like it would it would help if you like encourage me with words so I know you support me in my journey um, but saying like, okay, great job, you're doing good, okay, like, oh, I see you, okay, you still sticking to it, we're week, we're in two, week two, and you're still at it, like, actual words of encouragement, affirmation, I think really helps a lot, because it just shows you that, okay, they notice that I am still on this journey, I'm still trying, um, and I'm serious about it, and then that is motivation for me to just keep going, like, and I know that he, you, you specialize in health and wellness, and you recognize that I was doing good, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what you specialize in. Like, that makes me feel like, okay, cool, I'm doing good. Like, if he says I'm doing good, then I'm doing good. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Um, and, and then I will also say, like, uh, because you're into the health and wellness um, industry, understanding, I always have to tell him understanding that I'm not. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's your journey, you know, your passion. Um, I don't necessarily have a passion for it. But it's important, and I try to live a healthy lifestyle. But the way that he has a passion for it um, and teaching people about it, I don't. Um, 
but I still think it's important and people should do it. And so I always have to remind him, like, that's your, your journey and that's what you're passionate about, but you have to be easy on me because sometimes he'll say some things and he'll be like, I don't know why you're doing that. Like, why are you eating that? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about sometimes. He'd be saying stuff that I don't even know what he's talking about. So um, understand that that's his passion and his journey and that use your passion in your journey to help me get to my health and fitness goals um, but not like forcing it in a way in which it makes me feel like I have to be this way just because you are that way. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm digesting it because I, I, I think it always comes from a good place and I'm sure from him it's the same way. And we yeah. gotta, we gotta, we gotta listen more, and we gotta really just see that what I just said. I gotta practice what I preach when I say be compassionate during the journey. I can't just mm-hmm. be like, cause I see you every day, think that it should be a different pace just because mm-hmm. I'm on a turned up pace, and he probably on a a, a pace that's more advanced than the person that you laying with every night. So you like, man, you you feel like you need to do more to to get her up to pace, but in reality, that's not true. You you are hundred percent right on that. Yeah, I'm like even when we're working out. That's why I always say, uh, people are like when you get ready for your pageants or your boyfriend train me, uh, train you. I'm like, yeah, my man, like, I don't like training with him. <laughs> He'd be way up here, like on a whole other level. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna give me someone that's on my pace to train me. <laughs> So I have to tell him that. He's like, all right, I, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I'm like, I can't do, I can't do that yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right now, so, we be trying to get it in. Come on, do these pull-ups, girl. What, what, right. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, pull-ups, no. <laughs> Give me an alternative, so. Straight up, straight up. And as men, we, we got to do a better job at not only listening, but um, protecting our black women and, and making y'all feel safe and feel like y'all can express us yourselves to us um mm-hmm. a, as a black woman um did you, did you grow up with a lot of men in your life whether that be your father brothers things like that i did actually um i grew up with uh my dad um and then my grandpa who was like my second dad he helped raise us uh right alongside my grandmother and then i have a slew of like male cousins and uncles um, I come from a big family, and a lo- the majority of them are men. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I definitely come from um, a, just having that protection. I always felt safe. I would say I always felt safe in the presence of those men, like my uncles and my cousins. And I knew uh, if it came down to it, nothing was going to happen to me or my sisters because they were protecting us. Um, I think as I got older, too, um, just being in relationships, um, I would say for the most part, all the relationships I have had, I've had with men who have a similar upbringing as I did, where um, they had a lot of male influence and their fathers were in the home. And so they kind of saw how their father protected their, their sisters and their mother. And so um, they protected me in that same way. So I definitely will say I've always felt protected for the most part um, as both a child and as an adult from black men. Gotcha. And I think that's an important point to make, especially in this climate, that everybody's experience is unique. And I come from a huge family, and and, and we don't play about our women. Like, we definitely, hey, it comes to that. It comes to blows over our women. And so what, what would you say is the 
the one thing or the the list of things that you hear from your friends or that you hear from um, just other women who you know don't feel as safe as you or feel like their relationships um, don't give them that space to be vulnerable. What are, what are some of those conversations like? Not to name any names or nothing like that. Yeah. So a lot of them say that they don't feel protected in the sense that um, the men aren't basically um, vouching for them if they have a struggle. Um, the men aren't vouching for them and making them feel safe and vulnerable. So for what I think um, is that someone that's like the opposite of me who didn't grow up with uh, a lot of male influence. So like some of my friends who didn't have a lot of male influence, um, the men in their lives, um, whether that that be like their husbands or their boyfriends, they've seen um, women. So black women be like the strong black woman in their lives because maybe they didn't have uh, a father there. So their mother picked up all the slack and she was basically the mom and dad. And so, that happens for a lot for a lot of black families, and I think when the black men see a strong black woman like that, and there's no male present, they just assume well, all black women are strong, independent black women. Well, my mom had three kids, and it wasn't no dad involved, and you know we turned out fine. She did it on her own, so you know she's mentally strong, she's physically strong, and I think as you get older, and you continue to think that, and you think, oh well, my mom did it, then you can do it, like. I don't need to protect you. You got it. You got it because you're a strong black woman. So I think men really do think that black women have um, maybe like less feelings or less emotional, that they are less um, vulnerable, that they are just naturally less vulnerable. Um, And then that even comes from also like less feminine. I think they look at black women as less feminine as well. Everything that a woman should be, I feel like a lot of black men look at black women like, like no that's just not what i've seen as a a woman being raised and so they get into relationships with girls and women and then they don't protect them they don't make them feel like they're safe because they're like why do i need to do that like you got it you're a strong black woman um not knowing that you're yeah your mom she she did what she had to do but knowing she probably was in her room crying at night emotional sad things like that so I think we, black men would have to just kind of get out of that mindset of the strong black woman um, that we just don't need anyone because that's not true. Nah, I think that, man, that was a the point about men especially coming from those households where we see strong black women. That, that resonated with me for real because I, I watched my mom have to basically until my, my, my stepfather's came into our lives when I was about maybe like eight. Um, Mm -hmm. She was just doing it on her own. She was trying to figure it out. My dad, he was living in another state. He was stationed in the military down in in Texas. And so um, when we think about what we expect from our women in our relationships, a lot of people don't even realize how much just programming we have from what we saw with our mom. And even the women that we date are large are largely either very similar to our mom or the complete opposite of our mom. Yeah. Like, it really yep. don't be no in between of the two. And so um, for us to be better at protecting our women and listening to our women, um, we have to acknowledge that we got to stay in the house. We got to start that, that trend and keep that consistent 
because it mm-hmm. is a different reality for women who grow up like you feeling protected versus some women who don't feel that same protection in the household. They feel like they got to fight or they feel like they got to keep that wall up, their defenses, because they ain't seen a black man step up to the plate like he's supposed to. Um, yep. If, if it was a situation where um, it's about feeling um, dominant or submissive, because that's largely the argument, especially when you talk yep. about black women not being uh, feminine, we, we, we say, I, we, we feel like the woman is uh, speaking out of place or she needs to let a man be a man. And I'm largely from the perspective that a, woman, a woman's guidance is what truly manifests a man's reality, manifests his vision. And so if, if you don't have that woman's guidance to be matched with your vision, it's never going to be a reality. And so the, 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 the greatest men... In society, especially black men, they got a black woman on their arms. And I don't think that's by mistake. I don't think that's by accident. I know that it's a purpose for it. And when you're with a black woman, you can have a lot more purpose with your relationship, meaning you see the trickle-down effects. You see how it changes the trauma and the, the just the anxiety that we grow up with, thinking that we got to figure out how to be a, a, a husband or a wife because we never saw it. We don't got that template, and it's it's no perfect marriage template. You're gonna always have to figure it out on your own, and um, every relationship is different. But I think the underlying thread is that um, when you continue to listen, like we get so caught up in our own ego and our feelings that we start to want to we want to argue with certain points in the in the conversation like we'll be i know i done done it before i i'll be hearing her but i'm not listening and then she'll yep. say something that i don't agree with and i jump on that and it's like i ain't even thought about the whole rest of the spill she's been talking about i just wanted to argue and that's something that i challenge myself to stay patient because that's a true i think that's one of the truest forms of feminine energy is patience and we think of that as um the most patient person is probably one of the wisest person person that you know like if you think of somebody that's extremely patient you're like dang that person is just just smart even if they don't know that <laughs> you might be just be thinking like they might not know nothing you're talking about or know how to solve it but they just are waiting before they move yes that's 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 a smart person but that's also feminine energy because masculine energy is we just want to jump out. We want to figure it out. We want to, we got to, we can't wait. We got to make it happen now because if you take it back to the hunters and gatherers, we ain't got time to be patient. We got to make this shit happen for the whole survival. And once we see the power in feminine nature and things like patience and things like, like discipline, being disciplined, that, that's, that's a feminine trait. I, I had to learn that talking to my lady because as men we don't like staying disciplined we don't like staying committed we got a wandering eye so it's like that's something you got to challenge yourself to learn from your lady what would you say to somebody that's trying to uplift the woman but still feel like they can be the man of the house or a woman that's trying to stand up and, and speak her mind but still make her man feel empowered I would say um 
speaking from the woman's perspective first, I think that women, because even I had to learn this myself, women have to allow um, themselves to give their their partner, their um, husband or their boyfriend a chance to show them what they can do in regards to um, being that shoulder that you can lean on. Because I know for, for me and then a lot of my friends too, uh, we've kind of had issues with um, having too much masculine energy. Um, and I don't even know where I got that from. <laughs> but having masculine energy in the way that you won't even allow him to do what it is that he needs to do as a man to make you feel better when you're in the middle of an argument. So for me, my boyfriend actually taught me patience because I used to be like that woman. And I think that comes from like that strong black woman kind of um, myth. I call it a myth. Um, and thinking that you have to be that kind of way. So when we get to an argument, I'm like yelling at the top of my lungs, blah, 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 blah. And then I realized that I'm, I'm arguing with myself because he's just sitting in the corner looking at me um, and allowing me to just yell at him, um, not in a demeaning manner, but allowing me to get it out. And then when I'm done yelling, I'm I'm even more mad because he's pa- he's been patient and not saying anything to me. Yeah. And so, like, he's really, like, taught me patience in the way that, okay, if you're upset, then you can come to me and we can talk about it and we discuss it um, in a manner in which we're not yelling at each other. But when you are yelling at me, you know, at the top of your lungs, for a man, that can almost be a turnoff because you're giving him too much masculine. You're giving masculine energy. You're not let, allowing him to have that masculine energy. And so I always tell a woman, um, there is a, a fine balance between masculine and feminine energy for both male and female, but for the most part, um, a woman uh, should definitely sit in her feminine energy to, to even get what she wants um, out of her man. So if you really just sit in that feminine energy and just allow him to do what it is that he's designed to do to comfort you, then the outcome is going to be greater instead of you just yelling at the top of your lungs and now you're even more mad because he's not yelling back at you. Yeah. And so I definitely used to be that person in which I used to just be yelling, yelling, yelling. And one thing I always commend uh, my boyfriend on is he never yelled back at me. He would just literally just sit there and wait for me to be done. And now that you're done yelling, now let's go ahead and discuss what your feelings are on why you're upset. And then I'm like, okay, well, I didn't even have to yell from the beginning. So I was just acting crazy for no reason not allowing him to do what he's destined and designed to do as a man to comfort me and understand so that's what I definitely think from a woman's perspective is to give them a chance first allow them don't just go off a tangent I feel like a lot of black women do that whether that's because you're upbringing or because you just feel like that's just how a black woman has to be Mm -hmm. Um, but in regards to a man um, I would say one thing that's important for a man to do is like kind of like you said is to really listen um, because I feel like in the past not in my current relationship in my past relationship and a lot of my friends in their relationship right now their biggest complaint is always that he doesn't listen I repeat myself over and over and over again or he missed a point and it doesn't matter how many times I said what I said he came back with something that had nothing to do with what I said and I feel, I feel like sometimes men will like pick these little pieces out of the argument or the conversation that's so minuscule that has nothing to do with the big picture 
And so really taking the time to, like you said, not only just hear me, but listen to what I'm saying and acknowledge how you can understand how I felt that way. Even if you don't agree with it, I say, you know what, you made me feel this way. And you, and you think in your heart, I don't think I made her feel that way, but just acknowledge it. Well, I can see how you took it that way. Even though that's not how I meant it, I can understand how you took it that way. And I think that's huge, acknowledging my side and how I feel. Because if you're not acknowledging how I feel, you're basically telling me where your feelings aren't valid. Mm-hmm. Well, you made me feel, you know, you made you made me feel angry or less than. No, I didn't. Mm-hmm. But how are you gonna tell me? No, I didn't. Because that's how we are. we look at it through a, a male's lens, and when we look at it through a man's perspective, we we always put so much logic to it, and we mm-hmm. don't we don't really try to feel y'all. And right, it's it's a balance for us because I think it is important for. As a man, like I just said, I do have to be in tune with my feminine nature, meaning my discipline side, meaning my compassionate side, things that aren't just easy for me to do, things that I never saw another black man really do. And so mm-hmm. when we talk about um, our women, we have seen our mothers or our grandmothers fight through situations or figure situations out. And so we have that ingrained and thinking that's how our women are supposed to handle situations. One Mm -hmm. thing that I'm trying to make a a pledge to do and I I, I try to tell my lady is I want you to be comfortable being comfortable. Like I want you to just have that that load taken off of your shoulders. Like we we, we celebrate our our black women working hard and I... I'm I'm not cool with that no more. Like I want y'all to go for y'all goals and be ambitious and accomplish everything y'all want to. But I'm not gonna celebrate a woman that gotta work two jobs to take care of her kids. Like that's a problem. We need to be doing something to to, to take care of this situation so she can manage her time more wisely. She could be with her kids. She could be with her family. She can plan her business. All of that. But. The more that we we just celebrate people that are exhausting themselves, especially our black women, the more that stays the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, if 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 your man was trying to, well, not trying. If your man was in a position um, where he could do something to lighten your load, do you do you let him as a black woman? Is that something that's in your nature that you? try to try to fight against or that you are in a place now that you will let him take it off your hands if, if you if he can yeah i'm in a place where now i would definitely let him take it off my hand um uh, i will definitely say in the beginning of our relationship um and even some re- recent situations i feel like i have to have control mm-hmm. over things um and i don't think that that's healthy at all because and I feel like I even made my boyfriend feel like he couldn't come to me and say, hey, let me help you. I, he even got to a point where he was scared to say, like, oh, let me help you because he felt like I was going to, like, jump down his throat. Like, I don't need your help. I got this, blah, 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 blah. And I used to be like that. And then he told me that. I'm like, dang, I don't want you to feel like you can't come to me. You're trying to help me. And I'm, like, jumping down your throat. I don't want you to feel like you can't come to me and help take um, this load off, but the reason why most women are like that and defensive in that manner is because you are looked at as a woman, a black woman, who should be able to do it all. And if you come and take a load off, 
now I'm no longer that black woman who can do it all. Now I'm depending on you. Mm-hmm. And so now that whole strong black woman, that whole facade, it's like it's gone if I let you help me. Mm-hmm. And so um, I really had want, to. Do we, do we want for, I can't speak as a black man, do you want to be seen as the woman that can handle it all and do it all yourself? Or do you want that, that true partnership? Yeah, I definitely want that true partnership. I think early on, a um, couple of years back maybe, I wanted to be seen as that. But now, I'm always like, I can't do it all. Like, I would say it all the time. Um, like, I can't do it all. I need help. I don't mind asking for help now, whereas maybe like a couple of years ago, like, you couldn't pay me to ask anyone for help, let alone my boyfriend. like my boyfriend I've been with for four years, and I wouldn't even ask him for help knowing that he could help me because I didn't want to... Um, rid myself of that strong black woman image. Then it got to a point where um, I'm that I'm like having anxiety attacks, I'm overwhelmed, and he's like, okay, you're doing this to yourself because you have someone on your side who's willing and able to help you, but because you want to be seen as this person who can do it all um, and not let down your guard and let me be who I'm designed to be as a man, you're stressing yourself out. You're doing it to yourself. Mm. And, and I think the the real beauty in, in black love is that we got so much going on in the outside world that when we come together, we got to be each other's place of solace, place of, of, of vulnerability, uh, place mm-hmm. of peace overall. And once we understand that with each other, it, it's, it's so magical. What What's something that that you've started to understand being in a relationship that as a, as a single woman, you kind of you kind of looked at people in relationships a certain way, or did you have a certain perspective as a single woman, thinking that women in relationships probably got a lifestyle that's that's probably not something you want to have? Um, I would say one thing that I I see differently now is when I was single, I always used to look at women. Um, and I feel like they were always going out of their way for their men. Like, girl, you going all your way out? You going way out of your way for him? You doing all that? Like, if he call you and, and you're going, but now being in a relationship, um, it's not just you by yourself. It's like you guys are a partnership. And um, I think I had to take the me out of everything because even when I first got into my relationship, everything was like me, 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 me. And my boyfriend used to always be like, this is not a competition between me and you. Like, this is a partnership. It's like us together. And every time I approach something, I approach it with a set of either you or me. It was never together. Um, and I think when I was single, it's because I always used to be like, I felt like when you're in a relationship, you give so much of yourself away to be in that relationship, not knowing that that's the beauty in being in a relationship. So here I am, like, making fun of, like, my girls and stuff like that. Like, oh, she blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But now that I'm in a relationship, I'm like, well, that's the beauty of it. Um, so I really have to take the me out of being in a relationship and focus on, like, us. And I think that has helped my relationship uh, dramatically. Um, I think it's... look of well, how I feel or me 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 it's like us and he's never just said I'm I'm doing this for me or me 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 he always used the word we and here I am saying me and he, he felt some kind of way about that like well, every time you know you say something you say you but I always include you mm-hmm. so um yeah. I definitely have a totally different perspective on that and I think that's that's a common 
thread, especially. So this situation me and my lady always have is when she orders some food, that's her food. When I order some yep. food, that's our food. <laughs> same. We do the same thing. Straight up. So do you think um, when it comes to recognizing that there was just a change in your paradigm and what you thought about um, a situation once you got in it versus the, the, the perspective you had when you were single and how women are kind of divided in that way too. Um, there's so many things and it's, it's a long list from light skin, dark skin, from college girls to girls that stay home and, and have kids to um, girls with weave, girls with natural hair. Like, what what do you do to, especially as somebody who's seen as a public figure, to to keep women uplifted and unified when y'all got so many things pulling y'all apart? Yeah, so one of the things, that is true. I feel like um, amongst women, there's always this unspoken competition that we create when there, there should be no competition. Um, and like you said, you have the light skin versus the dark skin, the girls who decide to go to college and the girls who, you know, maybe went to the trade school or something like that. Um, just understanding that for me, I always look at guys and I say, no matter what, um, you have black men, you have white men, Hispanic men, I feel like they always come together and they're still part of the, the boys club, the guys club. Uh, no matter what race they are, obviously we have like um, racial issues and stuff. But speaking mm-hmm. on a different topic, just talking about like friendships and togetherness. Yeah. Um, no matter what, they always are part of the boys club. And I even realized that in working too as a woman um, working in corporate America, especially as a black woman, and then there would be men, black men, white men, Hispanic men. Um, maybe I wouldn't uh, mingle with the women at work. Because I felt like maybe they were some source of competition mm-hmm. or um, they thought they were better than me or I thought I was better than them. But then you turn your head, look in the other corner, all the men over there joking, having fun, different races and all. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like um, we have to take a note from the men's book when it comes to elevating each other and, and supporting each other. And one of the things that I always like to do, I always say I treat every woman the same no matter if she went to college or she didn't she's a janitor or she's a ceo i always treat them the same and i talk to them in the same which is a very casual casual and um authentic manner um i always like to reach out to one i'm like one of those people who like slides and girls dms on instagram and facebook (laughs) and i'll just give them a compliment like oh that picture you post, like, I like your dress, or your hair's pretty, or no, ask some question, or where'd you get it? And just try to form these authentic relationships with them through, like, something that we can relate on, like, something like a dress or a hairstyle. So I'll purposely find something that I feel like we can relate on, and then I'll spark a conversation um, and try to create a friendship from there. Um, and then I just invite them into my circle and try to just elevate them in that way. Um, but also just with my business side of things, I love pouring into women, uh, minority women businesses. So anything that I have, tools, resources, if I see a black woman and she has a business, I don't care if she's selling hair, selling nails, I don't care what she's doing, on Facebook, I'm going to message her or DM her like, hey, um, I saw you have a business, here's some tools and resources for free, blah, 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 blah. And then that also creates authentic relationships and friendships from there as well. So 
I do that a lot, actually. I say I'm like the girl who slides into other girls' DMs, but I have created a lot of friendships like that way. Yeah, somebody going to holler at you, you slide in their DMs. I know, way. shoot. <laughs> well, uh, what would you say, because you, you spoke about women and supporting their businesses and just how much of the market share um, women don't have when it comes to ownership in certain industries. Uh, do you see yourself, are, are you able to really envision yourself um, accomplishing the things that you want to accomplish? Or is there a ceiling that you say, nah, I'm probably not going to get to that point just because that's a boys club? No, I don't think that at all. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with my upbringing. My parents always instilled in me I can do whatever it is that I want to do. So I definitely see myself, everything that I envision for myself, I know that it's going to um, it's going to happen. I know that I'm going to manifest it. I try to do stuff that would help me manifest everything that I want. So there's a certain neighborhood that I want to live in. I drive through the neighborhoods. I'll go on the tour. I'll like really get a realtor and go on the tour of this million dollar mansion that I can't afford. But I'm not going to tell the realtor that. I'm just going to say that I want to do a tour. So I'll do things like that to really um, put myself in the environment that I want to be in and really manifest what it is that I want. And so for me, there is no limit to what I can do. And like I said, that has a lot to do with my upbringing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty positive. And confident in what it is that I want, I feel like I'm going to achieve it. Is it is it strictly the the Amy the Amy show, or do you got some women that you really look up to that you're trying to kind of emulate what they're doing? Oh yeah, there's a lot of women that I look up that I want to emulate. Um, so many people. I definitely wouldn't definitely say it's not the Amy show. It's crazy because actually my um, my director where I'm at right now. She doesn't even, well, I'm sure she knows because I tell her all the time, but someone who doesn't even have to be a celebrity, like she's not a celebrity, she's just a director mm-hmm. of a company, and I look up to her so much, more than I look up to any celebrity, really? um, okay. and yeah, any reality star, anything like that, because she is the essence of a woman who just wants to see other women succeed, and those are the type of women I look up to, and I love being in her presence, I love learning from her. She's so smart. She's super articulate, and everything that she knows, she she tries and teach me um, and other people in our circle. If she knows something and she knows that um, it can bring value to my life and my own business because she knows I have my own business, she's like, "Hey, this is what I did today. Maybe you should try utilizing this for your own clients that you have." Yeah, like good. she always wants to see me grow, and those are the kind of people that I really look up to so she's definitely someone that just inspires me every day and I love working with her and 